This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. I'm Ken Abzug, and this is Daily Thrones, a quick look at the world of ice and fire, and Thanksgiving is here in the States. Going to be tomorrow, feasts will be happening, family gatherings, football, and naps, and a lot of thankfulness. So let's talk about what are we thankful for in and because and from and surrounding Game of Thrones. It's what we're all here for. I'll start. I want some calls from you guys for the next couple days. Number one thing I'm thankful thankful for is a amazing, intricate, layered world to crawl into. That's what I love about Star Wars, the Lord of the Rings, and all these big kind of epic fandom built properties that uh, you know they create these wonderful worlds, these this lore. And I've never crawled into a a world like this and just soaked up the the history, the fake history of the world that I'm in. Star Wars is just starting to get that because of new canon. Expanded universe stuff had created a history, Old Republic, way into the future, but it never fully, for me, meshed with what I thought Star Wars was. And there's some great things, and there were some bad things, and then it got all erased, and we're starting over again. So Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, this world from George R. R. Martin is so, so deep. It's so connected. It's so intricate. It's so smart. It's so silly. It's so... It's so wonderful. And that's the number one thing I'm thankful for from Game of Thrones. I jumped in because of the TV show. It's like, I've heard of this. Let's see how this TV show matches what my friends think about these books that I haven't read and maybe I'll never will. And then right from the first pilot, from the first 30 seconds, you see White Walkers. They're like, whoa, what is that? And then and Ned Stark's talking about dire wolves haven't been south of the wall in thousands of years, but it's a house sigil. Blown away by the history right then and there. And I had to dive in. It wasn't just about going into the books. I, I get those map books, the history books. The World of Ice and Fire book is, is, is probably my favorite of the Game of Thrones books. And it's just the histories and lore of this time. The histories and lore on the DVD Blu-ray sets. Those special features. Love those as well. There's so much to soak up, learn from, study. And that is the number one thing I'm thankful for. Well, the first thing I'm thankful for. I can't say it's number one on the list. That list is still building and still forthcoming. So, guys, I want to hear your things, your thoughts, your opinions. What are you thankful for about Game of Thrones here on Daily Thrones? Keep the thankful train rolling. We're talking about what we're thankful for in and around and from Game of Thrones and a song of ice and fire. And, well, you know, regarding a song of ice and fire, the books themselves, what I'm thankful for is it it has taught me... uh, it's taught me that uh, food, when need be, could be very detailed. and uh, You could spend a lot of time describing what people are wearing and, and what the food is uh, that they're eating. And you will still have a good story. But obviously there's a lot more in the books to be thankful for. But focusing on just the show and then the story in general, there's three things I'm really thankful for in Game of Thrones. Number one, again, not ranking them. First thing out there is Broken Old Men. Oh, they've had their day in the sun in terms of storytelling around the world. I get it, but there's something nice about seeing 
Sir Davos Seaworth, Sir Jorah Mormont, Gior Mormont, Mance Raider, even good old Stannis Baratheon, Salador San, Ned Stark to a less degree. Uh, all these guys that uh, are past their prime in a lot of people's eyes have made a lot of mistakes. And they're still factored in. Uh, Sir Barristan Selmy is a great example. This is a, a man who was literally forced into retirement. And I believe what he uh, said, even in anger, that he could have sliced all five of them down like cake. Uh, and then he was able to go find uh, a purpose. He wasn't put out to the pasture. He was part of a bigger story. And I, and I like that. No, I'm not the broken old man. I think I am at times. But I feel like it. Especially in that lower back. But I like that these guys factor into the story in a different way. They're not just It's not just about men in power. But it's, it's about uh, uh, guys with a past. Guys with mistakes who uh, are still involved very much in the story, which is another thing I'm thankful for in Game of Thrones. Um, to have redemption or to to need that uh, story arc, you've got to also make mistakes. There's got to be things gone wrong and consequences. And I love that Game of Thrones is a realistic take on a lot of situations. It is realistic. A certain degree, as we can talk about a world about dragons and magic and and swords, um, it's realistic that Ned Stark died. Now, this is also kind of, uh, you know, different conversation, but this is why season seven, there were some problems where people felt it wasn't realistic that more people didn't die north on the wall, or north of the wall, that crazy mission. Because you go back to what was established early on, there are sometimes consequences for your decisions. Ned had consequences. He was noble, but he was stubborn to a fault. And he was tricked several times, and then Joffrey, in the end, uh, pulls a wild card decision and has Ned Stark's head removed. And I remember watching that for the first time, thinking, "Ups, who's who's going to save him? It looks like Arya might actually be the one to save him. Maybe it's Yorin for the Night's Watch. Who's going to save Ned? Oh, no. Ned is dead. It was a uh, shocking lesson for all fans of just storytelling in general who weren't familiar with this kind of storytelling our heroes can fall our heroes can die it makes the rest of the story seem interesting seems like a risk there should be a cost for some victories and definitely a price to pay if you make mistakes in judgment strategy just in politics so i'm thankful for that also, final thing that I'm thankful for is the story of these underdogs rising to power. These underdogs finding their purpose. I think that's a good thing. And also, a story that's pretty honest about the world that the, the women of, of Westeros and Essos, and it can translate to our world, the world that they have to face, which is not fair, it's tough, it is evil, it is brutish. And it's often directed at them, and they're often often the victims of it. And there are, are women in this story that rise above that. They, 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 they go through horrible things, and it is a lesson for us all. And it is great to see Sansa, Brienne, and even, to a certain degree, Cersei Lannister rise to power. Elena Tyrell was right. How did she get that far? She just ignored the men. That's a powerful lesson, apropos, and I'm thankful for it.
What are you guys thankful for? We can keep talking. we got some other stuff here to discuss as well during this national holiday over here in the States. I hope you guys are having a good time with your fans, uh, family and friends and eating some turkey. We'll keep the conversation going here on Daily Thrones. Hey, Ken, just one last thought for today. I'm, I'm wondering if Game of Thrones will stand the test of time. Not so much and if the series will hold up, because I think we can all say safely that it will. Um, more so what I mean is, do you think... And, and this is purely hypothetical. 10, 20, or 30 years from now, do you see Game of Thrones being a part of pop culture? Do you see the world of ice and fire uh, lasting like a Marvel and a DC or an image, for that matter, um, becoming almost uh, an all-encompassing world where all these books can be published and some characters may never even cross paths? Um, you know, we've already gotten hints of that just with George R. R. Martin's work. And... You know, I'm talking both books and and film and television here. Do you think we'll just continue to see it? Or do you think it'll kind of remain in this pocket of relevance uh, for the time being? Uh, I'd love to know your thoughts and everybody else's thoughts. Thanks for taking this one and have a great day. It's a pretty good question from Sir Thomas Tall. This one's actually been in my queue for a while and a great time to get to it is what will be the legacy of Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and Fire and will it still be relevant? Meaning, much like a Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or Marvel, DC, general superhero stuff, will it still be something that there will be a giant fandom for? Game of Thrones is without a doubt a phenomenon. What happened in 2011 when the show hit on HBO and it, it, it started strong but it, it actually grew. Uh, and let's not forget, there was actually a time when, you know, producers weren't sure if HBO would give them a second or third season. There was, there was always this kind of like, oh good, they renewed it type of feeling early on. But the show is definitely huge and it has spawned an entire podcast uh, realm. Though there were some great podcasts that existed before, before about the books. And the books were obviously hugely popular, but now it is translated, uh, or tra- now it's gone, gone beyond uh, uh, the walls of just sci-fi fantasy or kind of uh, magical fiction and all that kind of stuff. This is something huge. This is what your next-door neighbor watches on Sunday nights as well. So will that last? Well, obviously, with the show ending, it could change, but these prequel or spin-off series, whatever, you, uh, whatever they come up with, could extend it. But 10, 20, 30 years from now, will this still have the impact uh, like some of our bigger fandoms? And it's possible. Uh the books, as, as, as great as they are and as, uh, as popular as they are, didn't reach and haven't reached that Lord of the Rings Tolkien status uh, or even, say, a Chronicles of Narnia to a lesser degree. Like, it, it's not something that's going to be uh, studied from generation to generation. Now, it's possible. It is possible that uh, they could... Uh, they could they could have that kind of legacy, uh, but will always be maybe will the books in a weird way become like a footnote to what the show did? Um, will we still be having Game of Thrones podcasts in ten years? Probably not. I'm gonna ride this train for as far as I can take it, uh, and then uh, we'll all pack up and leave. So uh, the legacy it'll it'll definitely have its moment in history. Will it still be discussed? Will there be will there be new stories? Especially after George R. R. Martin passes, could that he could his estate uh, hand over the rights to something else? Could you see a, a big screen uh, adaptation of another part of the story? Would we see Robert's Rebellion fifteen years from now? Hey, let's let's tell Robert's Rebellion on the big screen. It's possible. Um, I think the show has. Uh, it's not just a footnote in television and entertainment history. It's definitely going to have its own chapter. I think it will change a little bit. 
but there will always be a bit of a legacy and we will always have these eight great seasons to remember. That's it for now here on Daily Thrones. Enjoy your holiday tomorrow if you're celebrating Thanksgiving. And if not, uh, you can still tune in here to Daily Thrones. And even if you're celebrating, tune in here to Daily Thrones. We'll try to get some stuff up during my holiday break so I can keep talking Game of Thrones with you guys here on Daily Thrones on Anchor.